Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast, bringing both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt and Steve. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? I'm doing fine. It's a fine day here. Yeah, doing good. Excellent. Got an extra hour of sleep tonight. Yeah. Oh, man. Didn't feel like it, but hey. No, I... I mean, while I enjoy the extra sleep, when you have kids, I can tell you. Yeah, it's meaningless. I, I, I absolutely hate the time change. Like, I, I, every now and then, I will send an email to, like, my representative in the state legislature and say, please stop this. Because <laughs> oh I hate it. Uh, driving to meet you, Lance, I, I looked at my clock and it was still the hour ahead. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I had a <laughs> panic attack for about a second or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, time change. <laughs> uh, before we move on to what we've been up to, uh, first we'd like to thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Their generous donations help to make this show possible. Yep, so uh, on the list uh, today is, and I'm not sure, I think it's Vesa? Visa? Why do I give myself the pronunciation? I never should. So Visa, Vesa, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. We really appreciate it. I'm going to go with Vesa. I think that's right. Thank think, you a lot. We really, really genuinely appreciate your support. I'll go with Vesa as well. Thank you so much. Oh, I think you, you're going along with me. You're not trusting oh. that Lance knows how to... What? Well, <laughs> Visa, write us. Let us know. If I'm right, I'm going to, I don't know, win a beer or something. Yeah, we'll throw in a, a happy meal or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you again so much for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple of dollars a month, you can help continue, help us continue to bring you both discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Awesome. So uh, what have you guys been up to gaming-wise this month? So I've been uh, still just just trucking away on Borderlands 3. been playing a... I mean, I, I don't anticipate that stopping anytime soon. So you got to be up to 60 hours now. No, no, I'm easily over 100 hours. There's I was no, about to say 90 no around. Yeah. I'm like, I'm at like three, four days, I want to say. Nice. One thing they do, which is an anomaly nowadays, because it seems like every company is just trying to get, get every penny they can with like microtransactions and, you know, paid content. Borderlands just did every every time they release a new game, they have these big events that correspond with holidays. So there was just the Bloody Harvest mm. uh, event that was like every week in October they were giving away free stuff, giving better loot drops and things. And there was uh, a whole special event that tied in with Halloween, where you'd have to go around like a bunch of the enemies you would kill would be turn into ghosts. You'd kill their ghost and collect stuff that they dropped, and then use that to actually go down into heck, which is like another <laughs> little map. And you'd have to run through this little, uh, it's probably like 15 or 20 minute, uh, like map that you could run through and there's bosses and special drops and stuff. Cool. You could do it multiple times to get better rewards. Oh, nice. But it's totally free, which is like That's unheard awesome. of nowadays. You right. Know, right. Compared to a lot of other companies. I don't know. They've got a few more of those planned. I've also been prepping up for, uh, to play the feast of legends, the Wendy's RPG. We're mm. going to be doing that. I've also been playing a lot of cribbage. 
you guys ever play cribbage, cribbage at all? No, no, I don't even know what that is. Oh, cribbage is a card game. It's, it uses a board with pegs to keep track of your score. So it uses a standard deck of cards. You use a, a cribbage board that has these little pegs that you then, like every time you score points, instead of like writing it down or keeping track of it other ways, you just move your peg up a few spaces on this board. Huh. But it essentially just uses uh, a standard deck of cards. So each player, it's just one one against one in traditional cribbage. You deal six cards to each player. Of those six, you discard two of them to what's called a crib. And if I'm the person who's dealing, then it would be my crib. So I put two cards in there. You put two cards in there. And then after we're, we've both done that, you flip over a card off the deck. And that becomes a communal fifth card that's in both of our hands and the dealer's crib. So then you go back and forth playing one card at a time, uh, scoring points. If you can pair off of each other or have a run, or if you can get a total of either 15 or 31, and then you score your hand, you score points for having, you know, pairs, three of a kind, anything that can add up to 15, you could have multiple. So let's say you had two eights and two sevens. That would be four different unique sets of 15. Hmm. And then if you had a six in there, you'd have four different runs of three because you could do six, seven, eight, and then six, different seven, different eight, six, different seven, different eight. Anyways, it's uh, it's super fun. And you play up until one player hits 121 points. So my cribbage has been huge in my family for my whole life. My dad was a, a champion level cribbage player. He, Jeez. he would travel all, all over the country going to different right. tournaments and you know, he, we've got a huge trophy case with all of his trophies that he won when he played. So, Oh wow. Kind of a okay. big deal. Yeah. Crazy. Actually, this, so it's in the bloodline. Oh, for sure. This is another, this is another uh, cribbage board I've got here. So that's he's showing us like, like a double size cribbage board. Yeah. You could play up to four players on this one and huh. I've got a couple other, Growing up, there was a, it was a joke that like you could close your eyes and reach, and you'd find a cribbage board. There was like one on top of our kitchen cupboards. There was one like the nightstand next to his bed. There was one like in our coffee table. So yeah, I, I and they, they used to be my house with miniatures until I had kids. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I have like a an imperial guard over here, a couple dwarves over there. Yeah, <laughs> paint here and there. Yeah, right. Yeah, good stuff. So I've I've got a bunch of my friends playing cribbage now. So whenever we're together, it's also fast, right? You play a game in a few minutes. So, huh. yeah, it's good stuff. What about you, Steve? What have you been up to? Ah, uh, I haven't had much time for much with with the new job, and of course, um, eight month year old baby girl. Um, when I do have time, it's like twenty minute increments. <laughs> so, so I'm still doing the battlefront too because I don't have to save the game. I just kind of, you know, it takes that long to even start the game. So, right. I lose about half the time. Uh, but I'm still doing. They're still doing a bunch of updates. So that's been fun. Just different, you know, th- things to try and different maps. Um, There's the new Star Wars game that's coming out real yes. soon. Fallen Order. Looks, yep. Yeah. That looks real good. And besides that, uh, every once in a while, I kind of get into one of the games I used to play and this week it was battle brothers. And I mean, battle brothers is a very frustrating game. It's very hard. I was still getting my butt kicked, but I still enjoy it um, for the time I, I have. And that wraps it up. That's been like the whole month just flew by. Nice. What about you, Lance? I have actually probably had less time. I'm in the middle of buying a house and still, you know, new to my new job. So 
things are uh, pretty crazy. But I did get some time to play my first orchard with my kids, which is something you, Matt, you know, turned me on to with, uh, you know, talking about a good first game for your kids. Mm -hmm. And I've tried a few different ones, but that one, that one is a huge success. My kids love it. It was Um, the first game I played with both of my girls. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids, they'll they'll get out, they play the rules themselves and everything. And I'm just so happy. And it's like such a robust game. Like, so it's a little more expensive because the components are um, like bigger and, you know, they're nice. Haba. Yeah. They're big, like huge wood wood things yeah. yeah but the, but it's it's good so it's one of those things like i get down for them and they can play they'll play for a long time and um so you know when i can join them and it's quick games and they have so much fun with it and uh so it was one of those ones i didn't pull the trigger on until um you know i just recently and i finally did and it's just so anyway my first sorcerer that's yeah. what i've been playing <laughs> <laughs> nice so all right, so let's move on to announcements and news. Uh, this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Woofrup and related news. So uh, we got a lot to talk about, actually. All right, in Cubo 7 related news, uh, there's a new adventure, Uber's Reich Adventures, Heart of Glass. Uh, I like the cover. <laughs> it's like there's so many things that flood through my mind when I saw the, right. saw the cover. It's like stained glass. Stained glass, stain glass like a, yeah. and there's like kind of like a bullet or arrow yeah. hole. Yep. Uh, very cool. Uh, it is seven ninety nine at Drive Through RPG. It's thirty two pages long. Uh, it's an excellent murder investigation with a surprising conclusion. It's got a random events table for travel. Yeah, uh, did you see that, Matt? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like I was like, oh man, it's gonna love this. And I'm like, that's this. It's cool enough where I was like, man, I might like just do this in one of our games yeah. one time. Oh, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Uh, it comes with a map and some ha- some handouts. So. Overall, uh, it, it's going to add to everything. Yeah. It's, like, it's a lengthy one, too. It's, yeah. yeah, that's the longest of the Uberzreich ones, right. I think, so far. 32 pages, pretty significant. I uh, <laughs> One of the things that's un- kind of unfortunate, I, I imagine I'm going to end up like ripping the, you know, printing out like just these individual pages and have like a binder full of all the random like tables and, mm-hmm. you know, that way I'm not like not pulling out a hundred different books right? just for one. <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. And as cool as that was, there was another new adventure. They've been pumping these out like crazy. Like crazy, yeah. yeah. This one is a little bit shorter. It's only 18 pages. Um, it's called Uberzreich Adventures Slaughter in Spittlefeld. It is only $3.99 at Drive RPG. It is a, uh, quote, bottle episode where the party finds themselves trapped in a building. It's a really cool storyline. The The building is this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's very war, like a hundred feet tall. Yeah, yeah. There's all these different rooms and buildings that were kind of added on to one another. And you, you know, you're in there and you are going around and doing different things inside of it. It's a really cool map layout of the building, mm. which is really nice. So if you're like new to Warhammer, like lore, like it is not unusual to like pull up a picture and see, Oh, here's a tower with a wooden boat at the top of it, like built into the structure. <laughs> why why would you do that how would you get that done i don't know but we do it in warhammer and so it's just this whole kind of like this thing is minutes from like collapsing in on itself yet it's somehow staying up you know it's i think of like orcs right like when orcs build stuff like it shouldn't work but because they believe it works like it works yeah instead of like the normal support (laughs) 
system. You got different beams everywhere. Yeah, and ropes and things right. that are. Exactly. So I love because I love you'll you'll see like a picture of a, a tower in the Warhammer world, and it's got this giant wooden support beam on the side holding it up. Like that is a great fortification right there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> where's where's the weak point? I don't know. Let's assault the other side. So, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So, but and then it has a side map, which is interesting. Yeah, like a, a side view of the yeah. rooms. Yeah. yeah. Instead of because I mean, you really couldn't do it top down. It'd be like a but, dozen different levels, <laughs> right? Of one or two rooms at a time. Yeah. So it's a side side view map. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, the like towers in Ready Player One. How there was like towers of uh, like essentially trailers that were built uh, just yeah, to yeah. kind of you yep. know maximize the space. Uh, or even like uh, the movie Dread. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not Judge Dread from the 90s. No, because I was yeah. thinking well, of Judge Dredd. It's a newer Dredd. one with like that huge <laughs> yeah. building, yeah, apartment exactly. block, yeah. super complex. Yeah. 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 Cool. Pretty good stuff. Very cool. So perhaps one of the most anticipated releases that just came out was Enemy in Shadows. So the physical product's not out yet, but they have released a PDF. Um, and it is available right now. So if you've pre-ordered the physical copy, you should be able to get the PDF for free as part of that pre-order from Cubicle 7. Or if you just want to pick it up at DriveThruRPG, it's uh, $19.99 for the PDF alone. Um, the physical copies are expected first quarter of 2020. So I know that's a little bit later than we were originally anticipating. Um, you know, it's hard to tell the reasons why, but I'm, I'm sure changing out the main line producer might have some of the reason for the delay but it's uh it's great um so i've uh so here's the thing you have the enemy within collector's edition right which gets you volumes one through five and the companion books you can it doesn't matter what version if you order the special edition version or the normal version you get the pdf all right so Important things that you need to know. If you want to pick up all five volumes, you can pick that up right now for $750 for the collector's edition. It's five volumes plus a companion edition, so 10 bucks in full. The enemy within collector's edition, just to get the two books, which includes a companion book and the enemy in shadows, is $150. And if you buy or pre-order either of those, you're going to have access to the PDFs as they come available. Or you, they also just allowed it where you can buy for $40 the standard edition of The Enemy Within uh, Shadows that, again, also comes with the, the uh, PDF. So, yeah. Uh, in addition to two full multi-part adventures uh, slash campaigns, um, this Enemy in Shadows and Shadows over Bogenhofen, uh, basically there are some awesome appendices within each. Uh, one is a guide to Bogenhofen, uh, similar to the guide of Zoo- Uber's Reich uh, with adventure hooks and location descriptions. And then uh, there's some maps of Bogenhofen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in those, of course, there's new rules, new NPCs, doors and locks. That's pretty cool. Disease and infection. Uh, we could always add more. <laughs> uh, futile and, and impossible option, optional difficulties, which... <laughs> I like this, that. Where it's like, if it's impossible, eh, we still roll. You this never is, know. This is honestly something that I'm like, to me, was a no-brainer. Like, man, they should just add this to the core book. Because there are going to be things that are even more difficult than what right. you're thinking. And I don't know. I mean, GMs probably are just automatically... We're just giving a name to something GMs are probably already doing. But 
It's it's more of a like you want to try. It's not possible. But if you want to roll, sure. Right. <laughs> or maybe got to roll twice to succeed. You know. Just right. Something we've probably have already been doing there. But uh, there's new creature traits, including mutations. Yes. Yeah. New mut- there's some crazy mutations in this book, guys. Like, I'm trying to think of. Um, uh, well, I mean, tra- the the traits. One of the things I love is like the um, amoeba or whatever trait or whatever that gives that like non basically you can create a slime now mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awesome and it looks like there's a new magic item the ring of opsianon yeah that one i i don't want to say what that does because that could be a surprise but exactly yeah but it is um it is pretty cool and also i wanted to mention the maps too the maps are throughout there are several it's a different style and um just kind of a Three quarters up view, um, very stylized version of some of these maps of towns and cities. And then at the very back of the book, they have like the same sort of Uber's Reich style where it gives like a map of the surrounding area, but there's one for like Altdorf surrounding area, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of the surrounding areas of Bogenhofen as well. So, some really great maps in this, yeah. Yep, and like you mentioned, uh, there's six pages uh, worth, not including the three additional super detailed maps. I love maps. And there's an imperial calendar, which that's awesome. Uh, I think Lance has been trying to incorporate that. It's pretty I, interesting. Yeah. So I like went through and updated my own version like right before <laughs> this came out. And I'm like, man, so I did all this work for nothing. <laughs> and, of course, we have the index and NPC index uh, within all that. Uh, you can find these and more online at www.cubicle7games.com. Yeah, stay tuned. I think we intend to do a more detailed uh, look at this in a future episode as well. Right. right. Yep. So, uh, And then lastly, our Battlefield allies, Garblag Games. Our friends over there have just released Flint and Steel Season 3. They're currently using the 4th edition WFRP uh, and the Uber's Right background from the starter set. Episode 5 just released, so go check it out. Yeah, there's some uh, some pretty crazy. Their their storylines going pretty crazy. I love it. So, all right. So let's get into the meat of the show here. On tonight's episode, we're once again going to dive into one of our favorite things to talk about, and that's careers. So um, this episode, we're going to review the beggar, the knight, and the nun. And as we like to do at the end of the episode, we'll have a little competition where the host will put their creative juices to the test in a career build-off to see who can build the most interesting character. Uh, We'll have posts on our Facebook and Twitter accounts where you can put in your thoughts to which careers we should review next and uh, let us know which ones you want to talk about. Uh, So, Old Worlders, you don't have to forgo your nightly orders, ignore your vows, or even beg us anymore as we review the beggar, knight, and nun on tonight's show of the Old World Podcast. But before we get started, uh, Matt, would you like to... I mean, I, I mean, I could do this. I'm just saying from our last episode, yeah, our so last our, career episode. Our last career episode was the Slayer and the Bailiff. Right. And uh, I'll be honest when I say I didn't feel like I had a chance of even getting a few votes <laughs> as a having a gnomish bailiff going up against a a of course dwarven slayer right but i am happy to say that not only did i get a few votes i got a lot of votes <laughs> not did. enough to win alas it was ended up being 21 to 17 but uh 
I'll say that that still feels pretty darn good. Yeah, so you got 45% of the vote, despite the fact that, uh, I mean, I started with the iconic Warhammer character, oh, yeah. Slayer. So, uh, oh well. I don't know. I'm still counting it as a win. <laughs> well, you you would count it as a win. You won. I'm saying I counted as a win because I came so close. That's true. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with the beggar. All right, the beggar is on page 63 of the core rulebook, if you're following along at home. The beggar can be one of four different races, the dwarf, halfling, human, or gnome. Apparently, there is no... No elven beggars to be found out po- there. In the poverty world. doesn't exist in the elven world, apparently, or at least that's what they tell you. Yeah, I have a good source that says otherwise. All right, so the beggar is street smart. You make a living from the charity of others using persuasion and charm. So charm is an interesting one. It uh, that is their money making ability or money making skill on that first tier, despite the fact that they're. Uh, status is brass zero, brass zero, so. which is which is fascinating when you really think about. It. I think when we get into this, we're going to talk more about this. Yeah, but um, yeah, yep. So the uh, the advanced scheme, you start out being able to upgrade your toughness, agility, and fellowship. Uh, from there, you move on to getting willpower, then uh, weapon skill, and then finally initiative. Which weapon skill I find fascinating in this in this build too. Like, yeah, it's not something I would. Well, yeah, weapon skill is interesting. You can boost your weapon skill, but you never have the opportunity to upgrade your melee at all. So it's right. You, you, in a sense, you are because you're upgrading your weapon skill, but right. it's a lot more expensive to upgrade that than it yes. would be to upgrade yes. a skill. Absolutely, characteristic and, versus skill. So, in the in the interesting thought is is one of the things that I don't know. I kind of went back and looked at what we did for the conversion episodes, hmm. and some of the things that like were obviously. Com- like convert to beggar like things like gong farmer bone pickers ragman bone men those are all like they like list them off there but those are all things that you kind of the beggar encapsulates m- nest more than just the the pauper mm-hmm. like in rags sometimes. yeah classic yeah. guy panhandling on the street right yeah our our Jafar character. Yeah, and I, our, I kept, I no, kept Nolan. picturing that. I, <laughs> His I name is Nolan, the, the peddler. <laughs> specifically did my best not to bring up Aladdin. But since you did, <laughs> no. <laughs> so the the first tier of the beggar's uh, career tree is the pauper. And this is where you, you start out with the skills athletics, charm, consume alcohol, cool, dodge, endurance, intuition, and then stealth urban. You've got four talents available, panhandle, resistance to disease, which is solid, Mm -hmm. stone soup, and very resilient. And your trappings are uh, extremely expensive for anybody who wants to get into this career. It is a poor quality tattered blanket and a cup. So, so. I, I think this is hilarious. So, so in another thing that you might not think about, brass zero, that means that your random starting money for your character this character is mm-hmm. nothing yeah you get nothing nothing yeah. you start with nothing right and even if you were to like try to use your begging skill isn't it based off of a so it's it's a charm right it's charm. So, oh, it's basically yeah. a charm right yeah you can beg with that or uh and that the so getting into the talents a little bit panhandle is essentially your only way to earn any money and mm-hmm. this is going to be based off of your uh fellowship bonus so when you panhandle 
essentially like the begging uh, under charm in the core rulebook talks about once per hour, you can roll a charm test and you earn money based on it's your success levels from the test multiplied by your fellowship bonus. So you could, if you had a high enough, first off, if you had a high enough uh, charm skill and you had a high fellowship bonus, you could actually make out with some, with a, a fair amount of money here. That's true. And you know, and, I, and we'll jump ahead a little bit. I, for the character that I made, I have an incredibly high fellowship and an incredibly high charm to where if I rolled it really well, I could get something like 50 or 60 pennies out of it, out of a good roll. Hmm. Excuse me, out of a great roll, but still, that's that beats yeah. out just yep. about any other brass level uh, status that you're going to find. Right, yep. right. And it says with, with Panhandle, you could perform a charm test every half hour. Every half hour, right? So essentially hour. doubling yeah. your so, yeah. income potential. Yeah. Right. If you do it for half a day, like, hey, we're not doing anything. I'm going to panhandle for 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, you guys have three two. hours before the carriage is going to leave to go somewhere. What are you going to do? Well, I'll go make six <laughs> rolls and see what kind of money I'm going to make. Right. However, in in uh, under the little begging uh, little sub uh, box there, it talks about how on a bad roll, you know, you might have your money stolen. You might have the local law enforcement come up and be like, hey, move along. We're going to take half this or take all of it or whatever. So. Right, which is there's always some risk there. That's it's, it's so fascinating though. Like, and then lose status when you're already at bad zero. You can't go. Any yeah, lower exactly. than yeah, bad zero. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. So the other talents, resistance, disease is great. I think it's thematic, right? You're basically your body has built up, you know, so much immunity mm. at that point. You also have very resilient, which is another one that was yeah. huge to take. I mean, as a as a starting skill. There's a starting talent that can right. boost that. Like uh, the the plus five toughness, yeah. which is yep. and you get toughness as one of your yeah. one that you can increase right from the the Yeah. I, I don't want to get too far ahead yeah, of yeah, ourselves. Yeah. No, here, I'm, there's, I'm there's, excited I, to talk about this. I essentially think there's uh there's only really a couple ways you could play, or two main ways you could play mm. a beggar. So mm. I can't wait to talk. Yeah. Stone soup is the other one that uh, essentially like I'm not sure how often this would come up in play where you can essentially right. get nutrients from you know, guess what nothing it, essentially. Guess what depends on your group and how they play with food, like yeah. how much food you have. Yeah, but, exactly. How you're, but, how but you're, again, GMs play to your players, right? Yeah. So if you got a, someone that's a beggar or someone that has a, that has spent a hundred XP to get stone soup as a talent, yeah, you better put them in a situation where everybody's starving and that player is going to feel it less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and and that's that's essentially what that is. Like I we might run a several year campaign and never run into this right yeah but if if i have a beggar or yeah. someone that said gm i spent 100 xp on stone soup that's that's that at that point it's a challenge to me right? yeah well Steve, <laughs> I, I think you said it best right it's all about the group and right. if your group is plays those rules all the way right to the letter right to the t where you know you you have to be mindful of eating throughout a, a session then that's going to be more important whereas if right. you're not then then that might not come up Right. Jumping up to the next level, you at this point become a beggar and your status is brass two. At this point, you pick up a couple uh, entertain skills, entertain acting, entertain any gossip, haggle, perception and sleight of hand. The talents you can get here are alley cat, which let you reverse the results of a die roll. If it would mean that you're successful in trying to like be sneaky and a stealth urban roll. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which could be huge. Yep. Yep. 
beneath notice, which also ties into being stealthy, being, you know, nonchalant, not drawing attention to yourself. That's, that's actually worked for Heinrich in the past, the beneath notice. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and Diekmere as well. Yeah. That, Does Diekmere have the beneath yeah. notice as well? Uh, well, well, it's height it makes it, right? Well, yeah, it's small to begin with, but it does also have beneath notice, nice. which is more about the status level than their actual physical height. Right. But, you know, if you have multiple of those together, if you have a high stealth skill to begin with and you have that, you can make a case for combining them to, to good sure. effect. This is also where the beggar can become a criminal and also learn the etiquette of criminals. Uh, and their trappings now are a crutch and a bowl. <laughs> this is probably the lowest entry to like go from one level to the next. Yes. <laughs> Here's a crutch, man. You've advanced. Yeah. So you can also see, it's interesting here, that now they're starting to get some of the, the entertain abilities. It's just another way to kind of boost mm-hmm. that, that panhandling right or uh, try to make some more money from out on the street. In fact, the perceptions on here is really nice, too. So many of their skills tie back to fellowship, and the fact that you can boost your fellowship right out of the gate is massive. Mm-hmm. So once you come up to level three, you are then considered a master beggar. You have uh, brass force status. You can charm animal. You have leadership, lore local, secret signs of a vagabond. That's cool. Yep. Talents are blather, dirty fighting, hardy, and step aside. Blather, your favorite talent? Blather's a fun one. Uh, also, Hardy is a is a great talent. That's that's not there aren't that many talents that are basically universal for anybody playing this game. But Hardy is a great one. And again, the fact that you can boost your toughness to begin with, you can get very resilient, and you can be you can use Hardy. All of those things tie into having a lot of wounds, which is always helpful. At this uh, level, you also can get a disguise kit. Uh, or you, you, uh, trappings you need are a disguise kit, a hiding place and a pauper as a follower. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Hiding place in the city. Kind yeah. Of deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is just as easy as like walking around and finding one. It's not like <laughs> right. you, know, you need a workshop and underneath uh, this porch is my hirelings. special spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you, if you survive long enough, you can eventually make it to the beggar King, which is a silver two status. Your skills are bribery and intimidate. Your talents are cat-tongued, fearless of watchmen, kingpin, and suave. Suave is another one that's that's really great for anybody. Right. But uh, the fact that you get kingpin at that level ties into going all the way back to the level two where you can become a criminal. You could really put a lot into that. If you add in um, a lot of the fellowship abilities, plus the fact that you have sleight of hand, things like that, you could really become a thief. You could become a just like an overall swindler. Plus, j- jumping to silver at that point really makes the kingpin much more. Yeah. Well, and the fact that attractive. that begging yeah. begging is based off of charm. Right. That you yeah, that's uh that's a good one to have. So talking about what roles you could potentially have as a beggar. The first one that comes to mind, and this is just based on the fact that fellowship is is one you can boost from the beginning. It seems like you could be a really effective face character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you envision a beggar, or especially if you're looking at the artwork that's in the core rulebook, like, right. that's not you wouldn't necessarily think that they would be a good face character. Well, but see, and now here's this is something that I thought about too, right? Because your initial thought is like, man, look at all of these just on tier one, all of these um, talents and skills that help you be a good face character. But then you look at Brass Zero, and 
you you realize like man that's going to negatively impact it but you have to think about this differently right because if i'm a beggar with that kind of face character ability i'm not going to the local lord's mansion to get information I'm talking to the street thugs, the kids, the like you could have an entire campaign where your characters never deal with a noble. They're always dealing with the sewer people and the, you know, the the mm-hmm. lowest of the low and have an amazing campaign. So you just have to think about it differently. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um the other the other roles that really that I think they can fit really well, infiltrator and scout. Infiltrator, the having Stealth Urban as a skill they can advance, having Alley Cat, having Beneath Notice, those all of those things tie into the same kind of uh, being unnoticed and unnoteworthy, right? Kind of hiding in the shadows, and you know you could uh, get in places, get some information that way. I don't think Fighter really comes into play. At best, it's at level three when you can pick up Dirty Fighting and Step Aside. Those are some so combat uh, talents. But even then, let me let me let me push back on that a little bit because let me here's what I envision. Right, so this is not a fighter; it's a tank. Mm. Because at level three, right, you get access to um, Dirty Fighter and Step Aside, like you said, but also Hardy. Yeah, the fact that you can build your toughness up at level one. And the fact that you can get very resilient, a, mm-hmm. a plus five toughness bonus um, between the hardy, the toughness, you could build a character with crazy wounds. Yeah, right. that's true. And so, you like, you, yeah, you might not, but even weapon skill at, at level three, yeah. like, even though you can't, to, to I think a point that you made earlier, we you can't directly, like, put up a melee skill anywhere in this. You could absolutely build your weapon skill up more expensive, but you can start to manage that. Yeah. Like you can, you might not be able to dish out the hits, but you can take them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also worth noting that as a burger, as that class, you only start with a dagger. You essentially get like a cloak, clothing, a dagger and a pouch. Right. So it's, you know, your, your weapons are even, it's going to be a lot of improvised weapons, or right. if you can panhandle enough, you can actually get no, no armor, right. You're not going to, your income potential is not going to be buying new plate armor anytime yeah. soon, you know? So it, it's definitely, it's definitely not a combat. I'm not saying it's a fighter. Like I would yeah. think as a fighter, maybe in a support role. Yeah. Um, if you, it's almost that you're not going to hold your own in combat you just might survive combat more than other Gotta characters. Gotta hope that your, your parties right, exactly. you know, support you. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they have a weapon to give you. <laughs> right. But, yeah, definitely, I, this guy is not your frontline fighter. He's yeah. kind of like, can take some damage after a little while, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't make him any yeah. fighter fighter. And, and I would say he could do a good support character, especially at higher levels, from a, and I know this is weird to say, from a money point of view, right? Um, things like haggle and gossip, perception, um, bribery, intimidate. These are all skills that you can get throughout the process. So while the beggar wouldn't necessarily be like what I would call a an amazing support character, um, the beggar can support your group in various ways. Like yeah. the skills and the talents are there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how they would ultimately fit into a an adventuring party. So one of the ones that really stands out because you have criminal, because you can build up to Kingpin and we've talked about this before, like really leaning into the criminal side of it. I think you could, you could make a really strong criminal character out of this, uh, potentially having them be a part of a crime syndicate or 
you know, eventually the leader of a crime syndicate or somebody who was part of one that got out, something like that would be a great way to start off a story. Or even more so is taking somebody who was successful, who was mm. not a beggar, and then something happens yes. to where they are. That's perfect. Because you could say, you could come up with any reason that someone might be an adventurer party and say that they've fallen from grace. Yeah. Right? And and now they're the beggar. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, and it's Warhammer, right? A, a lowly hired person forced to be part of a party by like the patron. Um, you know, you were at the wrong place, right place, wrong time, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, the, like it wouldn't be hard to, to, or like you're the contact, right? I, you're part of the party because you are, you know, the contact in the city because you know, everyone, you know, all the street urchins that, mm-hmm. that actually see what's going on in the city with the, the watch don't know what's going on. This guy does. He's part of the, the, the party. Yeah. So. I don't so, think it'd be too difficult to fit no, into a party. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. So the way, ultimately, the way I kind of view the beggar is either as if you want to be, if you want to kind of stick with that lifestyle and lean into the criminal aspect of it specifically, you could make a really fun character out of this. Alternatively, I think the beggar is a great starting point for a, for a, a great career to start with. Like if I roll the beggar, knowing what I know about what kind of access they have to... um the advanced scheme early on, some of the skills early on that you could have a beggar and then bring them out of that into a different career early and have, have a great, uh, great character, you know, to build off of. I agree. Especially a face character, right? If you, yeah. if you don't want to stay a low status face character, you can get some good stuff, build some stuff up here and then go to another career. Yeah. I was flipping through this and there are not that many characters that start with fellowship <laughs> as an initial boost. Right. And actually this, this tie even is going to tie into the rest of our episode today is because you can boost fellowship a lot that ties into any of the religious characters. Right. So a prime example of that, I, in our actual play, I'm playing as a warrior priest. Well, I can't boost my fellowship at all until let me think, I think it's like level three or four, even I've got it right here. Yeah. Level four before I can boost my fellowship. And don't you know, fellowship is how you pray. And how you can <laughs> you can cast miracles. So it's kind of important and to like starting as a beggar to be able to boost up that fellowship. You could also take on the resistance to disease. You could take very resilient to boost that toughness. And then from there, just move on, right? Go on to something else. And that would be another great way to build a character. And it could be really neat uh, having that play out in a storyline as well. Yeah, and actually, now that you're saying that, because I originally thought like a warrior would have bad synergy with the beggar, and I'm now like rethinking that from the toughness point of view, right? Like build, you know, grab resistance to disease, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Get, um, you know, your toughness yeah, built up, and then like, shoot on over to something that doesn't have toughness as a starting point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Panhandle and Stone Soup really are the two talents that, unless you really wanted to stick with this, are the ones that that you wouldn't really need to have to worry right. about getting right. Um, again, even, even that though, if you, even if you rolled perfectly during character creation, you'd still wouldn't get enough XP to, to like get the boost that you want. So if you're going to have a beggar, you're probably going to stay a beggar for at least, you know, a handful of sessions to kind of build up some of that that you want. So no matter what, you're going to have to be there for a little while. Yep, I definitely agree. And yep. uh, I like how the beggar starts because you could like if if your main plan was to kind of be kind of like a stealthy character, yeah, beggar is a great way to start that. 
Um, by tier two, there's the alley cat beneath notice, criminal, and then you can even bounce over to, hey, I'm done with beggar. I got what skills I want. I'm going to be a huffer. And mm-hmm. then instead of, because with beggar, you can upgrade toughness, agility, fellowship right off the bat. By the time you move on to huffer, that's when you can increase your weapon skill, yeah. t- toughness even more, intelligence. Yeah. So, so yeah, he could be a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about other careers that have good synergy, like I was saying, any, any religious character I think mm-hmm. would be a great, a great way to, to jump from there. Um, any career that struggles with fellowship, like if you, if you aren't able to boost fellowship until tier three or four, or maybe not at all, yeah. starting out as a beggar, being able to boost that up early and then move out, uh, it's not a bad idea. And I think thematically ones that wouldn't work really good would be something like a noble, like going right. from a beggar to a noble. You sure as heck could go the other way. <laughs> right. And the way we're going, Conrad, we, yeah, might, no. we <laughs> might see you down in, uh, in flea bottom here before too long. Uh, or, or any of the academics, anything that, ha- that would go from a, obviously a very low status right. to a very high status wouldn't really make a lot of sense, but so, uh, what type of player do you think would most enjoy this career? Yeah, it's, that's, that one's a little tricky, I guess. The fact that you have a lot of that face ability while not really being a face, I think it'd be kind of tricky. Uh, Also not, not being strong with weapons early on. I think you'd have to really be committed to, or any material, right? Like you're not starting with armor. You're not studying with like weapons or money or like anything, right? You can't even like the, what is the standard like okay you're gonna play role-playing game make sure you buy rope and candles like right like lamp oil. you can't even lamp oil lamp oil <laughs> lamp oil is a cure-all for everything so you can't buy it you you ha- you literally cannot you have to play at least a session and try to earn some money until you could do something like that yeah so um i think that you need a good role player um yeah someone that is not that is new to role-playing or isn't comfortable might find this very limiting to begin Right. It's kind of hard to know where you fit, mm-hmm. and if yeah, like you said, if you're if you're not real comfortable with role playing, if you haven't dabbled with different characters before, you, it's yeah, it could be really right. tricky. But if you are comfortable with role playing, especially if you enjoy the right, so face characters in games sometimes get more of the spotlight during the talking and things like that. So being a good role player or someone that enjoys role playing would be, I think, a good fit. Yeah, and and honestly, and then other than that, if if you're going to try to build a character for combat or something like that, it's just it's not going to be. You might want to grab a couple the toughness stuff, like depending. It really depends if you know exactly what you want to do. Uh, you know, in a, this type of warrior, and toughness isn't an option, and you start here, it might be a great way to build up some toughness, then move on. Yeah. So I think the player would have to be able to think outside the box because you mm-hmm. really get nothing. Um, based on the character, it's built for an urban environment that's to right. blend that's in. That's mm-hmm. So that's not so – you, you start with nothing, but that doesn't mean you can't maybe swipe a dagger or yeah. walk by right. a, a stall and steal food, just yeah. whatever you have to do to hand. survive. Yeah. Right. What level do they get sleight of hand? They get that at uh, level two. They okay. can start start working on that skill. So at yeah. that point, you know, you could steal your way or just do urban missions. You know, yeah. Well, that's a really GM to- that's a great point. That mm-hmm. if you're playing a campaign that's going to be set in a lot of urban environments, then you would. And this sounds weird to say, but you'd be thriving in that situation, right? Whereas if you were on the water or out in rural or you know walking through the woods or anything, how is a beggar going to survive in that situation? Right. Right. Really? Well, I mean, stone soup might help in that situation, but yeah, but you but also, limited, like, yeah. 
you know, if you're only, if you've only got you a dagger, a bag there, you're not, right? yeah, you're not going to make any money. How are you going to panhandle if there's, right. if there's nobody there to right. feel sorry for you? And that's true. Cause there are careers in this book that you could drop them alone in the middle of a forest, like a hunter or something like that, that would be okay. Yeah. Right. The beggar yeah. is not that character. Yeah. yeah. And just thinking about in our experience playing our actual play, mm-hmm. like it, the first like eight sessions, our beggar would have been lost. Right. Well, how could they, how could they have really like truly contributed right. a whole lot? That obviously is based on a very specific adventure. Right. Book. Yeah. We started. Yeah. I mean, it would be different if a GM knew you had a beggar. Yeah. That would, we would, instead of in the wilderness in a cave, it might have needed to be like in the sewers or something, you know. I like the, the final paragraph. And this is a good, good way to wrap it up. Uh, and the book is uh, about the beggar. The only direction from rock bottom is upward. Some beggars will eagerly leave their gutter behind for an adventuring opportunity. So long as they aren't exploited as battle fodder, which is essentially <laughs> what you had said. <laughs> that was exactly what I was advocating for. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, those unable to afford a porter might hire a beggar instead. And a beggar's savvy is useful when penniless and hungry. And if all goes wrong, it's easy to return to the begging life. Right. And it- and like, you know, it just depends on your group, because if you're with a group of like a knight, uh, river warden, I'm, I'm sure they make enough where they could kind of give you some supplies to get you yeah. going. Yeah. Or, or like a noble, right? I mean, th- <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they might have some money. Uh, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Good deal. So yeah. Beggar. Interesting. Interesting. Not, I'll tell you right now, I would not want to roll a beggar and, and just keep it as a beggar. I don't think that's something that I personally would enjoy a whole lot. I would love to start as a beggar. You know, to get, you know, the toughness, agility, fellowship, get the sneaking around skills, and then I got to bounce out yeah. myself. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably how I do it, too. My my part would be I, if the fact that Hardy's at tier three makes it so, like, I would really question how long I would stay. It really depends on tier what you want to do. That's a long time. It is a long time. That's a it's, long time. But you you also need to think of it from this point of view, right? Like, if, if you're... Ah, yeah, I I don't know. It depends on what you want to do. It, this type of career, once you start moving up to tier three and four, is is somebody that's dedicated to that role. So, and maybe and it might be one of those things where through the course of play, you didn't intend to stay in beggar, but I could see it being fun, depending on the story, to continue yeah. to build that up. Yeah, yeah so. it's kind of like a story. I'm trying I'm trying to write a little short story of how you're starting from the bottom and you know, you could really have a thriving storyline in a city, like a gigantic city. Yeah. You start from nothing before you you're by the time you're tier four, you got followers, you got a layer, mm-hmm. you got you know, you can make moves to we're taking over this place secretly. Yeah, yeah you right. can like we own that know. business, that business we may look the way we do, but it's yeah, all part we're, of a we're criminal are, little yeah. empire. Yeah, the whole Because I'm thinking like if you had a party with an agitator in it, a beggar Ooh. and right like between those, like you could <gasps> orchestrate the overthrow. Of of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good points. All right. Makes me kind of I mean, and it, you could even take it as far as to like have people go into the cave of wonders to get you a link. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your Zing. eternal war world. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Moving. Let's let's move on. Lance, All right. Lance, what do you got? The knight. All right. So if you're following along at home, the knight is at in page one hundred and eleven. Um and uh I love the art for this one. Oh yeah, it's a great one. This it, one is really like, just what's this a, shield made from? Is that one piece of hunk of wood? <laughs> yeah. So the colors the 
orc head that's hanging off his belt, like all of it. Right. I hadn't noticed the that's orc the head until this morning. Yeah. I actually. So, okay. So you can, what races are available? Human, high elf, and wood elf. Um, there are no dwarf or gnome knights. Uh, or halfling. Or halfling. Right. Halfling. Which, man, I, there are these giant roosters that halflings can ride into battle. So I, I'm a little sad like there's that, but they probably don't have a knightly order. So it might make sense. They might be more cavalry or something. I don't know. Anyway, there's yeah. some really obscure Warhammer lore there for you. Um, so what is this career, right? So um, it, it is kind of what, it, in, in one sense, in the Warhammer world, a knight is exactly what you would expect, what you would think of when you think of a knightly order, like an order of the Templar or something like that, right? You have a knightly order that has like, you know, these certain vows they might have or certain like honor code that they're bound by, things like that. But in the Warhammer world, you can really lock this down to two different types of knights. There's the secular um, knightly orders and the Templars, right? Knightly orders that are dedicated to a god. So... And it's very interesting. So, like, things when you see, like, the Reichsguards knights, right? Or the White Wolves, the Knights Panther. Those are all, like, secular knights. The Reichsguard are, like, the elite of the elite, you know, trained by the Imperial Army, that, you know, um, and, like, the super heavy cavalry that the Empire uses, you know, versus more of the Templars, right? So you have, for example, the Raven Knights, which is, or the Black Guard. Those are knights dedicated to Moore, the god of death, right? That, uh... There, there's so much interesting there too. Um, even uh, like Manan uh, has its several orders of knights, including the Sons of Manan. Right, these are dedicated to these orders, dedicated to fighting in a very literal sense for their god. And I think when you really get into like the history that's been written about all these different knightly orders in the empire, you realize how incredibly varied and deep the history and lore and fun you could have with a knight in Warhammer. All right, so for the advanced scheme, at first level, you have strength, initiative, and agility, which for what you would assume immediately is a combat career, I find I found a little surprising. Follow that up with weapon skill at level two, level three is willpower, and level four is fellowship. So, and, and the reason this comes in is because of the concept of that this is a warrior that rides a horse, and the horse riding skill requires agility. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big part of why it's built this way. Well, also, you you don't get to boost weapon skill as a squire. You get to boost it as a knight, which right. is that level. That, that makes level sense, too. too, yeah. So uh, kind of going through here, uh, tier one is squire, and you have silver three, which you the, the money is good in this career. You start with silver three, which is not nothing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, skills are athletics, animal care, charm animal, heal, heal. I can't, you get uh, heal. I can't believe it. This wow. like first level. Lore heraldry, uh, melee cavalry, which is your money-making skill, ride horse, and trade farrier, uh, which is like, shoeing your horse and stuff like that um talents etiquette any um rough rider which is a really cool thing you can direct your mount to attack without using an action or to do an action rather um which i would assume attack would be your primary Mm -hmm. um, thing uh sturdy and warrior born which there's a quick way to get some extra weapon skill and trappings and I think this is what we're all going to be going crazy over. You start with a leather jacket. You may jack. have to stop and take a breath in between these because there's so many. <laughs> right? Right? No, no. So leather jack, male shirt, 
riding horse with saddle and tack, a shield, and trade tools for a farrier. You could sell all of this stuff and be richer than a noble starting. I mean, the horse alone, if I remember, was like 90 gold coins or 80. So a riding horse is 15 gold. 15 gold. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. But still, and then... However, uh, that level two, the Destrier... Yeah, yeah that's... 230 coins. Okay, that's so what I that's, uh, <laughs> ugh, Bit of a jump there. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing about this is is um, the, the armor, leather jacket and mail shirt, just to start... That's, a, that's, that's three solid. armor points on your yeah. body just to begin the game, which is... You're a beast to start yeah. with. Well, the thing, the really the thing about that level one is that you, you obviously you have a lot of great equipment and valuable uh, trappings, but you're so, your skills are so specific at that point right? that you can, you're only boosting things that will help you with your animal and with, you know, riding your animal athletics. A heal is great too, obviously, but if right. you, you want to try to boost anything outside of that, you're in trouble. Well, heal, but and heal is based on intelligence, which you never can boost. Yeah, too. Right, right, right. So, like, it's got some limited application there, right? But so, like, and then let's move on, right? Tier two is knight, move up to silver five, huge, Ooh. right? You get cool, you get dodge, endurance, right? Intimidate, language battle, and melee any. So, you could choose any melee that you want. Um, and uh, this is interesting because as a squire, you get melee cavalry, but you don't start with any cavalry weapons. So, like, you could have, you could use your dagger with your melee basic or whatever, but you can't actually put skills into melee basic until mm-hmm. if you wanted to at night. Um, and talents are really cool. Menacing. Seasoned Traveler, which is really cool. You can add a, like, lore local. Um, Shieldsman, which is amazing. Shieldsman allows you in an opposed test, even if you lose, to gain some advantage. What? <laughs> um, strike mighty blow, which makes you, you hit harder. Um, and then we talked about the, the trappings, right? The destier. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, melee weapon, any melee, and a lance, which is there's your cavalry. There we go. And uh, plate armor and helm. So you, you're going to already upgrade your armor pretty big, big time here. Uh, so moving on to tier three, first knight, gold two. You just skip right on over gold one. Gold two, charm, consume alcohol, leadership, and lore warfare are your skills. Excellent skills. Fearless any, which I just love because depending on your campaign, you could really yeah. Oh, yeah. dial that into right. whatever's going to specifically help you. Yep, yeah. exactly. Stout hearted, which gets you an extra way, an extra test that you can do. To remove the broken condition, which is, yep. I think, huge. Um, unshakable, um, which is the black like powder prevent weapons. Prevent you from yeah. getting broken. Black powder weapons are, cr- like, if we'll have to, maybe we should do get into black powder weapons at some point because they are nasty. But mm-hmm. they can cause you to run. This helps you mitigate that. So trappings here is barding, which is basically armor for your horse, and a small unit of knights. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, GM, how many knights do I need to have follow me? <laughs> so moving on to tier four, Knight of the Inner Circle, gold four, lore any, secret signs of the knightly order. And then your talents, disarm, inspiring, iron will, and strike to injure. 
So all great combat things. Mm-hmm. And lead, leadership things, right? That's, right. Combat <clears throat> and leadership. Yeah, yeah. Inspiring is pretty awesome um, where you can inspire multiple people depending on the level. Yep. Uh, plumed great he- for trappings, a plumed great helm, <laughs> a squire, a large unit of knights, or several small units of knights. Oh, yes. Amazing. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, but seemingly very focused, right? Uh, there's not a... Right. You, you right. Throughout this entire... Uh, journey from being a squire to being the knight of the inner circle. You don't really deviate a whole lot from just that main, that Combat. main goal of being better and better and leading more and more. And right. And that's, and that's like, let's talk about that. Right. So as we go throughout the tiers, what's the primary role? I think we all agree fighter, right? Definitely. That, that's that is the primary role. You could argue a little bit of support with heel, but like we talked about intelligence, isn't something you can build. So, like, for a beginning party, anyone with heal is important. Yeah. But um, that's not what your bread and butter is going to be on. Um, and as you move up, you could sort of have a supporting secondary role of face with some of the leadership skills that you have. But it's really not about being a face character as much as about being a leader. Yeah. So, I would argue it's sort of a one-trick pony, but with... It's it's so good that it has the, the it could fill other roles in a pinch. So, how would you fit this career into an adventuring party? I think this is super easy. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. throw him in the front. And, <laughs> yeah, just let him be that shield wall. I like how you you made the argument that a beggar could be a great tank, and then we're doing knight, which right. is literally a shielded armored warrior who's on horseback, but doesn't have access to build toughness. That's and true. Doesn't have access to the hardy talent. That's true. true. So, really uh, kind of shocking omissions, to be honest. And you really can't even increase weapon skill until you get to knight. Yeah. So it's it's so I think so you want to you want to start as a beggar and then immediately transition to <laughs> knight. Right. Said. There you go. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a movie about that? Like the boys are back in town. Oh yeah, you're I thinking figured, about a nice tale. A nice tale. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, so one, that's yeah. kind of what that is, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take this knight's armor. <laughs> right. Pretend we're him. Right. It's literally, the knight should take off your armor, give it to the beggar in the party, and send him up front. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's... It's not a terrible that's like idea. spot on, actually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think good ways you can tie this in the party. A knight makes a natural leader for the party, right? Like, if we're coming up with a background story, the knight is getting a party of people around him to go do a quest or something, Right. You could be assigned a quest by the knightly a knightly order, or you could just be a mercenary. Knights can be mercenaries, or even fa- running. They've they've fallen from good graces, and they're now just right. you know he could be like the next bodyguard job. type of guy now. Right. I don't know if I agree with the knight being the leader necessarily, partially because you you have to wait till tier four to get be able to boost your fellowship at all, but also even even like your leadership talent isn't available till tier three. Well, in I, I mean from a story point of view, right? Sure. So, like for example, nobles don't actually have that great of access to like fellowship stuff until a little bit later. It's their status that makes them in yeah, charge. That's true, right? So, I was thinking like if you had a party of like lower status people, they could be working for the knight, like as a, as a way to build the story to start you off. Yeah, okay. But no, I agree. He's not a good leader until tier three, at least in the in the mechanical sense. Yeah. So options for good synergy, I mean, any of the warrior, right? I mean, if you're going to fight creatures in this game, I mean, he'd fit it right in. 
right? Any or something. If I mean, if you started in a career that had a lot of like animal type talents, could help you a lot moving into night. Yeah, I don't know that going from night to one of those would be in a in a very good move because this doesn't focus on the animal as much as having it as a support. Like it has skills. Well, I mean, the fact you can boost animal care, charm animal right from the beginning, but also again, just the fact you, you get a horse, right? Like you, a starting trapping is a, is a rideable usable horse is pretty significant. I agree. Bad synergy for me, pretty much any academics, right? Anything that's going to be intelligence based, this isn't building. There's no skills or talents to help you build that at all. All right, so what type of player would most enjoy this career? Honestly, I think this is a great career for new players. I, I agree. Yep. The only thing is could be a mounted combat situation, which might be difficult for a new GM. But a GM that's not new, the rules for mounted combat are actually pretty simple. If you go look at them, it's like five bullet points, and they're all very, like you get some bonuses on the charge. Um, you're, depending on the type of thing you're riding, it might have the ability to fight itself though the tricky part of having a mounted combat is going to be the rules for the mount right because the mounts have you gotta go look at the back of the book and they have different things depending on how they're trained so it can be a little complicated but it doesn't have to be um but for the player as long as you got a gm that can handle that this is a great a great new because they're going to hold their own in combat right off the bat they start with a ton of equipment to help protect them including a shield um, mm-hmm. So while while some of the rules surrounding like shields and mounted combat and stuff could be burdensome, burdensome, right? Um, if you have a GM that can handle that, the player should do just fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and any player that's like steeped in lore, if they know Warhammer lore and they know about knightly orders and how it works in Warhammer, this is going to be great. They're going to eat this up because half of the fun of this is knowing all of the cool lore that's behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, what are your guys' final thoughts on this? Uh, my final thought is uh, definitely he is a good starting character in the fact that he may not die as easily. But I think for maybe the newest player, just some of these rules may be burdensome. Um, and definitely, well, and when, once you're taken out of a like a combat scenario, right, you definitely would find yourself less impactful in in play. I think, yep, right, exactly. That's true. And uh, especially with Fellowship not being able to be touched until the fourth level and willpower not until the, you know, the... And definitely, I, f- I find it weird that weapon skill you can't get till the second tier. It'd be, it'd be nice to start off with, the, you know, to increase your weapon skill, you know, to help, you know, the new player, but you can't even do it till your knights. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of those little... where I move, yeah. I move from squire to knight as fast as possible. Yeah, right. Because if, yes. if I'm going to stay in here, I'm going to my my goal will be to be combat oriented exactly and and i need access to that weapon skill um and i want access to that melee any skill as well Mm -hmm. so those are the big things that i think i would be like all right i'm gonna hold my own until i can get there um honestly i I would summarize this up you start with crazy gear in a horse and you can hold your own in combat even though you don't have access to weapon skill right away um, with all the gear that you get and the, the talents and stuff you have access to, the skills, um, you should be a valuable member of the party in any combat situation. Definitely. So, night. The night is is awesome. And there's so many. Go do some research. Like, if you if you roll up a night, like, and you're like, I don't know, I don't know much about it, 
don't immediately make that decision. Go do some research. Look up Warhammer Nightly Orders, mm-hmm. and you will be inspired. There are so many, and they are so cool. I could definitely see like an adventure where you have three players or all three knights mm-hmm. and go on some kind of yeah. That'd kind be of cool. They need to clear out like a goblin cave or something like right. that. Right? Yeah, that would be, be a lot of fun. Cool. They, they We're could on be a mission. all different different orders, which could potentially yeah, war with each order. other. Or all one order, right? Yeah. Yep. Start their own. Yep. Awesome. All right, let's move on then to the nun. Steve, what you got for us? The nun. That's going to be on page 53. None of your business. <laughs> 56. Yeah, page that's, 56. That's nonsense. Ah, <laughs> nice. That was a good one. <laughs> All right, so with the nun, um, just the beginning, pretty much you are devoted to the service of your deity, uh, having sworn vows for a life of service. You are that person. Uh, based on the picture that they have in the rule book, uh, maybe not the best surgeon. <laughs> maybe maybe the best art for one of these characters, honestly. I, it's so, like, here's this, this nun dressed in all white, and literally from the chest this. down, everything is completely soaked in blood. Which is, so for the longest, I think we've talked about this in the past, for the longest time we were looking at this in black and white because we had printed some right. of these out, right? And, and then when we got, looked at it at color again, we had forgotten that that was all blood. I mean, it's like she's Carrie, but... <laughs> None. She must have just got done stitching a hundred soldiers off. Right, and you see that big like bone saw that's on her. Oh yeah, yeah, serrated. The cleaver. Yeah, like giant scissor things. Like, like I'm assuming she's a nun for Shalea, based on the artwork here, which would make sense. And if that's a needle, I'd preferably, I'd prefer. Just let me die. Just let me. Yeah, let me. Just let me die. (laughs) I'm here to heal you. (laughs) No. Oh no. Uh, you start as a novitiate, brass three. Don't make too much money. Pretty much a servant sworn to service. So don't expect to be paid too much. There's only brass one, actually, at that first level. Yeah. 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 Oh, you said brass three. Oh, did I? Yeah. Jeez. I, I say something, but I think something else. Yeah. <laughs> I might need to take my medication, yeah. guys. <laughs> one second. <laughs> uh, the skills you start off with are art calligraphy. Big whoop. Uh, cool. <laughs> Endurance, entertained <laughs> storyteller. That would actually be a good skill right there. Uh, gossip, heal, lore theology, and pray. I think pray and heal, um, those are going to be gold. Uh, talents, you start with bless any. That's also really good. Stone soup, panhandle, and read write. And trappings, religious symbol, and some robes. Yeah, the, the pray skill uh, and the bless, that's really where, once you start doing those blessings... That's that's where uh, I really think any of the religious careers really shine. Right. Yep. I definitely agree with that. And yeah, you you so you kind of dismissed art calligraphy, and I yeah, I see why. Right. I mean, really, how yeah. often is that ever gonna? And I mean, that's if you choose your rewrite skill, right? <laughs> to even use it. I guess. I, I mean, I really nothing on the top of my head unless you're writing a letter to a noble, maybe. Sure. Be fancy. Well, yeah, but like, all right, I need to forge something. I would argue that I use calligraphy, right? I'm going to forge an invitation. I'm going to forge mm. a, uh, you know, some sort of document, right? Art calligraphy all the way. If I'm your GM, you could sell me on that easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Point. Think outside the box, there gentlemen. We go. <laughs> On your step up in life, you can become a nun. Brass four. Did I say brass four? Okay. <laughs> uh, skills. You get charm, 
Meli Any, which is surprising. I mean, you get to pick what you want to specialize in. Uh, research, Trade Brewer, Trade Herbalist, and Trade Vintner. So definitely you can make some money off of those skills. Uh, talents, Etiquette, Cultist, Field Dressing, Holy Visions, and Invoke. And this is when your character starts to really shine. Field Dressings, you can flip-flop uh, your role, so it's successful. Um, holy Visions, if you're on Holy Land, you can tell. And Invoke, of course, Invoke is Invoke. So yeah. we've talked about ho- yeah we've talked about holy visions in the past. I think that is like an amazing talent. Yeah, and and then also, um, what was I think it's amazing in the sense that you, it would require your GM to put you in those situations, though. Right, I agree, but like it could be such a great experience. And again, as a player, you talk to your GM and, and it's like, hey, you know, is there a point when can I use this? But but also like. Then field dressing too, um, from a healing standpoint, like that could make a big difference as well. Right. Oh, for sure. It's specifically with bandages, though, so it's important to know that you need to have. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like bandages, otherwise, don't particularly offer any sort of bonus for straight up heal checks. It's for uh, it's stopping bleeding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. On your way up in the world, you can be an abbess. Uh, you actually start to make some decent coin now. You're at silver too. Uh, skills, leadership, lore local, lore politics, perception, uh, talents, resistance, any, that's nice, robust, savant, theology, stout-hearted. And, of course, with trappings, you get in a full a- an abbey and a library uh, theology. So you start to move up in the world. Leadership skill, that's when uh, that, that's nice because on your first novitiate uh, tier, um, you can increase in dexterity, intelligence, and fellowship so that'll help with that one as well you guys have any uh opinions on those skills or talents um robust you can reduce damage which i think is an interesting one um yep my plus one savant for for theology is a really interesting talent that i think could really come in handy but again you need to be in a situation where you need to know something about whatever theology you choose right but for 100 XP, the fact that you can just straight up know, like there's no testing, your GM has to give you, you know, something substantial there. Um, I think that's a really good one as well. And very, very important in, in the mm-hmm. right circumstance. Right, yeah. right. A lot of these don't necessarily seem, they don't jump out as being ones that are like super helpful in your average adventure. But mm-hmm. if you were in the right adventure, it would be right. the difference between life and death. And stout-hearted, we talked about with the the knight as well. The, mm-hmm. the ability to remove an extra broken condition is really cool. And on the fourth tier, you are you are a Prioris General, uh, Silver Five. You're making the big bucks here. Uh, <laughs> skills, language, any, lore, any. You can specialize in what you want. Uh, talents, commanding presence, iron will, pure soul, and strong-minded. Those just cap off what's kind of they add on to what you already have, just in a more. I don't know, top tier way. Uh, and trappings, uh, religious order. You are the top of the whole order. So that's nice. Uh, to go back, you know, with the advanced scheme. So with the novitiate, uh, like we said already, you can increase your dexterity, intelligence, fellowship. Uh, intelligence and fellowship, that's kind of critical for the prey, uh, for your leadership, and also for heal. And pure soul, I think, is is a good one, right? Increase your like uh, 
threshold threshold for, yeah. for corruption. It's almost right. like, uh, you know, if you have a GM who's constantly pushing corruption right. on you, I that mean, wouldn't be a bad idea. Constantly and, making, you're a bad roll, roller. I'd get that one. Right. If so, you've made it that far. You know, and the hilarious thing is, is like, if you guys start encountering like demons and other different things, you could just be getting it automatically or right when we're taking corruption because we're stupid (laughs) and we want to take all these roles that when we finally have a real battle ahead of us and something that is a minor demon yeah we're screwed (laughs) our mind shatters like i've got two two uh two corruption i can take before i have a mutation Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh on the second tier for none you can increase your willpower Third tier Abyss, you can increase your initiative. And Prioris General, tier four, that's when you can increase your toughness to increase your wounds. So overall, not too bad. You get a lot of great skills. How might this career fit into an adventuring party? I would definitely say, uh, from my perspective, I would say purely supportive. 100%, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, this is a character that you want in the background to either pray for advantage or heal your characters yeah, when they're blessings. damaged. And then with being able to increase your fellowship, you can also kind of tie in with leadership. You can give your advantages that you get with praying to your teammates, which I think would be helpful. And I've never been in a situation where I had to do that or a spot where I could. So just that pure thought would be interesting. And the noble does, but like I can't pray for advantage and get it. Right. Like I got to earn it, and then I can dispense it as like a noble. But this one, you could just pray and receive it. Uh, so that's decent. I think it really a face. It could be a secondary role as a face character once you hit tier two as well. Like with the charm skill, because I feel like charm and the fact that you get fellowship as as one of the things you can move up those two together you can immediately especially if your party doesn't already have a face could immediately pull into the face role if you needed to still primarily support like you said the the prey the prey skill um the bless talent and then invoke at tier 2 like 100% you're a support character yep you either are using your blessings or right. advantages that you pray for or just pure healing power. Right. You know, there's really, on tier two, you can choose what you want to use as your weapon. But with the nun, um, there's no, no matter what tier you're on, you can't increase your weapon skill or ballistic skill. So you pretty much are left with, with what you have. And that could be kind of painful <laughs> if you want right. to be a fighter. <laughs> right. Yeah, this definitely isn't a fighter, a fighter career. Yeah, you mentioned that it's a strong in support, and mm-hmm. that's you don't need to be more than that right. necessarily if you're that good at uh, being a support character between blessings and the ability to heal and things like right. that. That's that's can be enough, right? And when the rest of your party is, you know, starting to go insane due to the corruption, you, you're still standing. All right. How about advancing into other careers? Any obviously any support or. F- or face characters would be easy. Anything that that you want to go into that has a strong support or, or face, you know, ability to it would be good. Academics would work well with this as well because a lot of the support stuff, academic careers usually end up being support kind of based as well. Um, yeah. Though I would say, and, and obviously on the flip side, right, this is not a great one for combat. 
I, I, this could be, I mean, like all of Warhammer, right? You could jump into this for a little bit, maybe grab prey, grab heal, heal, and then move on to a combat if you wanted. And it wouldn't necessarily be the worst. Yeah, worst I would thing. also grab, grab bless too, mm-hmm. you know, right off the get go. Right. Um, and, and definitely, I, I would picture this character having more of a chance to survival if they're in like a bigger group. Yeah. You know, if you have only two or three characters, I wouldn't have one being none. I mean, you might just be cut down, but it depends on the setting. Right. That you're experiencing and so you know, things like that. You know, something that's interesting, right? We talked about the knight and how there are Templar orders, right? That are on the religious orders. Well, a lot of these knights started out as like a nun or a monk. Right before they then joined up with a knightly order of that, you know, so it's it's an interesting concept there for sure. So um, one of the things I you know how what story hook ideas might fit well with this? I would definitely uh, story hooks. Maybe you're trying to clear out a demon den. Right. I would definitely suggest a, a nun would be nice to have, but like I said, it d- depends on your group size. I mean, if you get a demon right. that's all of a sudden attacking you, uh, there goes a nun's head quickly. Right. Uh, or or you're on a pilgrimage, right? So okay, like yeah. that might be a good reason to okay. be with your party. Or even a penance, right? All of the religious chapter talks about mm-hmm. the different penances you have, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like I'm I'm with this group of brigands that I can't hardly stand because I have penance to do for my God. Mm-hmm. There you we know? go. Okay. Yeah. Like there there are a lot of warhammery reasons. I don't think fitting a nun into an adventuring party would be that difficult at all. Yeah. I mean, what type of players would fit this role? I mean, of course, characters that don't want to be right in the forefront of battle. This is a good one. Like, I, I don't want to put people into like pigeonhole them, but if you have somebody that's enjoys role playing but is more quiet, like like prefers not the I don't want to be the one tactically fighting, I don't want to be the one necessarily talking everything. I just want to be the helper, right? The the person that's part of the party. But like any any like a, this is a great support role for that, right? You can be very very impactful without having to you know, be the flowery talking person or the I'm destroying stuff with my swords or hammers kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. You can hang back. You can throw out blesses. Mm -hmm. You can uh, perform miracles at times and just be there to heal too, which every, every party really should have somebody who's a decent healer. Right. So, and it could be, so I hesitate to say it would be good for new players um, if you're new to role playing, but you know the Warhammer lore, I think this would be great. Like if you, you know, the this role kind of it's like kind of like any magic role, right? There are some extra rules you as a player are gonna have to learn, right? The blessings and invoke talents, those are have a little meat to them. There's a whole chapter on it, yeah. so it, it's definitely if you're willing to do the extra work and learn that stuff, then this I think this is a great fun one. But if you're a new player that's looking for something simple, then the nun probably isn't necessarily it. And uh, an experienced player that's looking forward to that stuff, the nun is just great, uh, a perfect. If there are few, like I think we did a was it apothecary that we did where we're like, oh my gosh, this is the ultimate support character. Like I feel like the nun can kind of fall into that as well. It is like the ultimate support character. Yep, and definitely, uh, you know, a nun, if you're human, definitely one of your initial uh, skills that you can get or talents is is, is melee bow. Um, 
I would definitely get that if you can, just because, I mean, you're going to be in the background. So if you do have a weapon, and hopefully you rolled well on ballistic skill, <laughs> and that way you can just shoot, shoot some arrows in the background if you're not uh, praying or giving blessings or healing. Right, right. And, and interesting enough, human is the only race that, that would be able to do this career, at least currently. All right, any final thoughts on the nun? I think religious careers are super fun. Mm -hmm. I think the the real the hook for me in doing any sort of uh, religious career is when you take on uh, you know picking the god that you're going to worship and the blessings and the miracles that go along with it. That's where there's some really some fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep, I agree. Yep. And I I think I summed it up with my thoughts kind of earlier. It's a it's a great support character and. As long as you uh, can do the extra step of learning how the religion portion works and you know a little bit about the history of the Warhammer world, specifically to the god that your character is going to follow, then, I mean, this, I'm ex- this kind of career is absolutely like right up my alley. I love this career. Because it, it for me, like I'm, I like to role play, so it has a little bit of that face part, but it gives me a lot of tactical choices where I don't have to be the straightforward. I'm all right. Who am I going to run up and hit next? So, yeah, it's a great career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my my final thought is um, definitely it'd be I could play the nun just because. I would read up on like the blessings and learn to use prayer a lot. Um, but I'm more of a jump into the battle type of guy, so it'd be hard um, to not make myself jump into <laughs> combat with the nun. <laughs> but overall, yeah, purely, I think, supportive character. So if um, you've played before and you got experience, I think anyone would do well with the nun as a purely support character as long as you play it as a support character. Let's do a build-off. All right. Character build-off. Now that our review is complete, we're going to put our creative juices to the test with a build-off. We, your hosts, each have taken one of the three careers we just described and have made a character in the hopes to outdo each other in a contest of coolness and creativity. Once we've reviewed our creations, we'll then put them to the test and have you, the community, vote and tell us who wins the contest. So here are the rules. Each of us will be assigned one of the careers we've reviewed, and then we must create a character using the normal character creation rules. In addition, once we've completed character creation, we'll receive 1,000 earned XP to advance our characters however we'd like. Now that we've created our characters, we'll present them, give a little bit of background, and taking you through our character creation process, explaining why we made the choices we did. And this Old Worlders is where you come in. You can follow the links in the show notes and vote. We've posted polls on our webpage, Facebook, and Twitter. You can go out there and let us know who you thought had the coolest character and get some bragging rights over their fellow co-host. All right, so who's uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I could definitely go first. Okay. All right, so my nun's character is Sister Bria. And uh, I guess I'll just go go down the list here. Um, so I unfortunately didn't get the species r- randomly. Um, you didn't? You didn't get human? Yeah, I did. Oh. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I was like, really? I got Jeez, Wood Elf, man. so I, had, uh, I didn't get those 20 experience points. Jeez. No, I got no. human. So oh, okay. I got human. Uh, <laughs> it's like, that's never happened to me. For the career, of course, zero experience points. I had to choose that. Unfortunately, I didn't roll it. 
Uh, for the attributes, I left them as is in the order that I got them. Um, I felt they were decent, not too bad, so I left them the way that they are to get those extra points. Uh, for movement, of course, four. Weapon skill, 36. Ballistic skill, 25. I believe that's my lowest. Strength, 30. Toughness, for the first time I rolled, 40. Nice. Um, initiative, 26. Agility, 33. Dexterity, 33. Intelligence, 31. I wasn't too happy with that since I rely on that. Uh, willpower, 34. Fellowship, 31. And wounds, um, 14. I, I am amazed that you didn't switch out that 40 to like your fellowship or your or your willpower because fellowship is pray well, pray is based yeah. on fellowship right yeah, i am i'm am amazed that you didn't make that decision well i left it as is because i can't increase my toughness but that's i can't increase intelligence fellowship and dexterity that's true that's true uh so for starting fate of course two starting resilience one i had three extra points put uh my final fate is four final resilience two i always like the re-rolls Key to survival. My motivation is survive to heal. Mm. All right. And Bria, she's younger, 24. She's taller, 5'10", hair brown, eyes gray. And basically this character here, um, for some backstory, she is a daughter of a general. So she was raised around the general. Um, He wanted a boy. Unfortunately, he got a girl. So she was just around for a while so she was at the meetings she was at the planning raids she was there um she decided to be a nun she left for a few years she became a nun but she wanted to be a nun but she came to work with her dad as well so she is tall she's tough she was kind of raised as a boy so the troops fully respect her most of them she's healed in some way or form either by stitching, amputation, uh, disease, whatever. Um, she has huge respect from the troops. And basically, she loves the troops so much that they're kind of like her family. And she's a nun, but she's also willing to fight, if need be, on the battlefield. She's, she's not scared to be on the battlefield to help the troops hmm. in that aspect. You know, she may not take in the fight initially. She's there to heal, but if she needs to fight off so- someone, she will do so. So, so what god is she dedicated to? Sigmar. Ah. Yeah. Yep. That makes yep. sense. So um, that's what she is. And as of right now, uh, she's just part of the group. She's part of the army. She's one of the figureheads. She's tough. She's commanding. She's got a presence. And they respect her for her. Uh, respect that that's the way she, that she is. So with my experience points... Um, I really, with this character, <laughs> with this one, it was kind of weird because I kind of planned like I was actually going to play the character <laughs> mm-hmm. in the future. So with the starting attributes I can increase or the characteristics, um, I really increased my intelligence uh, by another 10. Uh, that cost some points, but it was worth it. It was 275 points. Oh, um, you know, before we go too far, let me... Say what I got for my advances and my talents and things like that. Uh, for my species skills, I chose ranged bow, cool, and leadership. Uh, my skills with three advances, animal care, language Bretonian, and language wastelander. She's well-versed. Uh, my species talents, I got doomed, of course. I chose savvy uh, for intelligence bonus. She's ambidextrous. 
It's got lightning reflexes, plus five agility, and animal affinity. I figured that'd go with her character. You know, she's good with animals, so that'll help in the field. Uh, for the career skills, I just blanketed with five increases for all the advances. So five in art calligraphy, five for cool, five for endurance, entertainer, or mm-hmm. entertain storyteller, gossip, heal, lore, and prey. Uh, for the one talent, I did choose is read and write. That way that's just done and out of the way. All right, so back to points. I did mention that I got another plus 10 for intelligence. I actually chose f- plus 15 points in fellowship. Dang. Uh, that costs a lot, 475 points. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> um, I got the blessed talent. That way I can do some blessings on the field. And I did increase my skill points in prayer by seven. So overall, I kind of bolt the character for the next step when she actually becomes a nun in preparation for the rest of her career. So in all, um, my attributes actually got increased. So with agility, it's now instead of 33, it's 38. Intelligence, instead of 31, it's now 51. Dang. Fellowship, instead of 31, it's now 46 with a prayer of 53. So overall, I think... Starting off as a nun, I kind of bulked up where you can at the beginning in anticipation. You know, she's got that presence, that fellowship, um, in anticipation for the leadership skill in the future. But I think overall, just with the prayers and blessings and things like that, she will do quite well on the field. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. you don't want to fail on that bless role. Exactly, right. it's like so, your only support role. <laughs> try not to fail. Yeah. Wow, and so we don't often build characters here that don't go to the second tier. Um, but that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's where I was like, what was I thinking? But then I'm thinking like, yeah, but how would I have played the character right. to start off with? And that's what I would have done. Cool. I can go next. Are you, you good with yeah, that? Sure. All right. Cool. So I did the knight, obviously. I rolled up a human. I did not roll up a knight, so I didn't get any bonus XP for that. So I had to choose that. Um, I had a very, very average roll. Everything was like 31, 33. I had like one... 35. Um, I ended up having 126, um, but it was like right in one of my stats I wanted to change out. So I did take 25 XP instead of 50 and switched a couple of the numbers around. Um, and uh, I basically moved my my dump stat into something different. Dexterity, basically. And fate and resilience. So um, my character has an interesting background story, which will make sense to this, but I put all of my bonus points into resilience. So I have two fate and four resilience for my uh, my numbers. Um, my knight actually serves as part of the Sons of Manan. And uh, so he's a Templar Order knight. Uh, and his motivation, which is going to make more sense a little bit later, is to serve Manan and never go out to sea. Which hmm. doesn't make any sense, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we'll get to that. I advance <laughs> for my advance. I put five uh, advances into strength uh, to get started here. Um, and, uh, with my skill advances, um, I, you know, melee, basic range, bow and cool for the five and for the threes language, wastelander, charm and animal care for talents, you know, doomed suave for the fellowship bonus. Um, my random talents were interesting, got artistic, very strong and luck. So I ended up pushing my fortune up, even though I didn't. Luck is nice. Yeah. 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 So, um. I ended up putting five into everything as well for all my stuff. And then um, the talent I chose was Warrior Born for that uh, bonus for the weapon skill. So uh, I got all my normal. I did buy a 
knife for my I don't often buy um, in character this character creation stuff but I bought a knife specifically for whittling because I got that artistic talent so I hmm. thought that's what I was going <laughs> to use it for okay. nice yeah so my character's name is Sebastian Barr age 29 he's five foot nine inches light brown hair and gray eyes your typical Reichlander his short-term ambition is to find a young squire to train. His long-term ambition is to train the squire to replace him as a son of Manon. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. So um, with my uh, experience, I went ahead and, um, you know, I got art wood carving, which I got as part of my artistic talent. He likes to whittle. And uh, I got the rough rider talent, and I spent 100 XP to move to Knight. Immediately picked Shieldsman talent because that talent is amazing. I uh, bumped my agility up to 35. Um, I bumped my initiative, spent a lot of XP here to bump it up to 40. Um, I bumped my weapon skill up to 40. My melee basic up to 50. Dodge up to 40. Animal care up to 40. Endurance I spent a lot on to move up to 40 as well. My melee cavalry I moved up to 50. And then I added language battle. So that brought me all of my experience. So here, so my, uh, my, my good friend Sebastian here, he was born as a farmer, um, but early on his dooming was foretold and his dooming was that Manon calls you to the depths. And so great dooming. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, so he, uh, but shortly, shortly after, when he was young, a knight of Manan, one of the sons of Manan, came through and saw him as capable and needed a squire, and took him from his lowly, you know, farm family to start to train as a son of Manan. And it felt like it was foretold with the dooming. This was meant to be where he was going. He didn't think much of it, uh, but he went and, um, as a squire, he fought and trained and learned to be a squire and a knight. Until one day, fighting Norse raiders up in the north, you know, on one of the ships that was, you know, manned by the sons of Manan, uh, he fell overboard during a battle and almost drowned and saw a vision of his death where he was going to die drowning in a deep, deep sea, in a, a deep water. Never really thinking much about his dooming until this point. He became terribly afraid of water. This is one of those optional rules where you can choose a psychology, and I would talk to my GM about getting a psychology of fear of deep water. Mm -hmm. okay. and, um, and so he took the first assignment he could to come back into the Reichland in order to help support the monasteries instead of fighting on the front lines. And... Uh, and his secret, terrible secret is he has this fear of water, this fear of deep water. And he feels terrible about it because he does want to serve Manan and he's dedicated to Manan. But how can you serve Manan and never go to sea? How can you serve Manan and, and be afraid of deep water? So his entire purpose is he needs to find somebody else that he can train and teach to take his place so that terrible guilt won't continue to follow him a pathway into chaos for his heart? Maybe, who knows? But I can tell you this, as a knight, he is pretty well-rounded um, with 40s in athletics, charm, dodge, and endurance, as well as intuition, 
with a 50 in melee basic, a 50 in melee cavalry, and a horse named Whitecap. Great he, horse name. Yes. <laughs> um, he, he can fight with the best of them. He even has a 40 with heal, wow. lore heraldry, and animal care. So he's got a lot of 40s. He's not like super... He is a great combatant, but with like a terrible dark secret that a son of Manan should never be afraid of water. That's and good that, that is uh, Sebastian. Jeez. Very good. Very cool. All right, so I had Beggar, and I have yet to roll up a Halfling, so I decided to go Halfling this time. Uh, okay. So I'm going so to talk. Did you actually roll it, or did you I did just not decide? Roll. No, no, okay, I, I was curious. Um, I've I, yet to roll anything, but it, the one time I did, it was when I needed a dwarf, and I rolled something else. <laughs> they were <laughs> nice. So yeah, my uh, halfling's name is Perwick Pennybottom. Nice. He is a 35 year old, three foot three inch tall halfling with chestnut hair and blue eyes. The only uh, extra XP I got early on was I did shift some of the attributes around. So I got that 25 bonus XP there. Had a couple really high rolls, which I put into weapon skill, considering I can't uh, boost that for a little bit. Um, the the highest overall attribute I started with was fellowship, which was at 47, mm-hmm. which is great, considering beggars have all sorts of fun stuff they can do with a high fellowship. Wow. 47 to start? 47 to start. Oh, it's it because a it's a halfling. Yeah, they yeah. have 30. Yep. So the roll of 17. Dang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Final fate and resilience is three fate, two resilience. Motivation is making a better life. So I really leaned into a lot of the fellowship skills. Obviously, the species skill and career skill, I both put five into charm. So I had 10 plus 10 to charm right off the bat. Mm. Perception, gamble, five into each of the career skills, uh, of course, just to kind of get those going. Uh, My random talents were hardy and then very strong, both to, you know, be able to boost my survivability having more more points, especially considering that halflings don't have quite as their uh, equation to get wounds is a little bit less than others. So that was a good way to kind of boost that up to start. Right. Uh, classic uh, trappings for both career and class. With my starting money, which was zero brass pennies, <laughs> I bought nothing. <laughs> so I just assumed that as time went on, I had enough to buy myself a bowl Walk- and a bowl. crutch, which I needed <laughs> at that next level. So the majority of where I spent my XP was in boosting characteristics. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about the beggar, I had mentioned that I didn't that you can either like lean heavy into the, the criminal uh, right. side of it or not. And I decided to, to stay away from the criminal side, really? which time kind of feeds into his backstory. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Going against the grain today. I know. So um, I added, got up to five across each of the characteristics to make that jump from tier one to tier two. Uh, and in, in addition to that, I also added an extra eight into fellowship. So my starting fellowship was 47. My ending after the experience is 60. Wow, that's crazy. Which is pretty good. Uh, I also picked up the resistance to disease talent, panhandle talent, just so I'd, I'd have some means of making some money. And then everything else that I spent was just on boosting skills. So my charm skill uh, uses fellowship, which is at 60. I have 10 advances, so I'd be rolling 70 on charm, which with panhandle and begging can be pretty substantial. If I had a, let's say I had a really good roll. And I rolled six levels of success. Um, I would end up with thirty-six brass pennies, 
which is pretty good. That's for a half hour's worth of work. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, you know, could chain a couple of those together and actually end up making some pretty decent money, all things considered. Uh, the other um, uh, species talent or species skill that I had was trade cook, which being a halfling, it kind of, I mean, it ties mm-hmm. in pretty directly there. Um, yeah, so uh, Perwick grew up in Fielbach with uh, mother and father that were very loving and 12 siblings. Uh, together, they had a family-owned pie shop that was extremely successful. Nice. Uh, had all sorts of money. It was the kind of thing where like all the family helped out in one way or another, however they could. Uh, Perwick was one of the youngest in the family, so he wasn't able to contribute a whole lot, but still like sweeping up the shop, things like that. He did what he could. Uh, it, when he was fairly young, his father was wrongly convicted of a crime that he did not commit and was sentenced to life in prison. In the so, empire? No. Yeah. Could you imagine such <laughs> yeah. a thing? So with the father out of the picture, the family business took a pretty big hit. And it was shortly after that, that the, that Porwick's mother fell ill and quickly passed away, leaving all 13 siblings, children in the family without a, a strong parent to help guide them. Um, all of his siblings, either, uh, you know, they had to either take on other jobs. Some were for captured. Um, Perk decided to flee the city. Didn't see like, uh, you know, was fearful of what his future was going to be. And with all this uncertainty, not being able to see his father with his mother dying, didn't know where his place was. So he fled the city, uh, without having the family for support. He ended up living on the streets, but always aspired to follow in his family's footsteps and someday open his own bakery. So what he's doing now is just a means to get away from that life and start over. Hmm. That's good. Awesome. That's Perwick. Perwick Pennybottom. Perwick. Perwick Pennybottom. I love it. All right, folks. Those are our characters. Again, we've posted polls on our website, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Be sure to come over and vote and tell us which character you like the most. Uh, moving on to our next section. Feed your greater demon. Awesome. On the Feed Your Greater Demon show segment, we talk about ideas you can use to help support your local Fligus, uh, your FLGS, and build your Wolfrop community. So what do we got today, Steve? Uh, today's idea, run a Wolfrop focused painting event. I like that. Uh, this may not be for everyone, as not everyone uses minis at their games, but no matter what, painting a miniature is always a good time. Uh, there are several several different ideas you can focus on. Have your painting event be simple. Show up to the Fligus and paint any mini for your RPG, hopefully Wolfrup. Right. But it could be any gaming that you have. Uh, pitch this to all RPG players. Uh, they could bring any mini that they may use in their game. There's also a lot of a lot of stores will have like just bins of unpainted minis that they oh, could either sure. donate some for or Companies will do that a lot. They'll have minis that they can, you know, give out to for yeah. s- situations like this. You know, our, our local store, Dan, he's got so many tubs of just miniatures. Right. Like, can I just buy one for cheap? Sure, man. Yeah. Uh, so, and plus, it's a good way to try to get your group to become more invested in their character, right? Or, or, or just as an event outside of the game, potentially. Right, and it's always nice to, you know, besides the gaming, it's nice to kind of meet your group up just to kind of hang out, talk, and uh, get more into it. 
Uh, but definitely, you know, when you get your group there, you know, to paint, you can also as like a GM, maybe have a incentive to come and paint uh, free fortune point. I'd go with free fate point. That'd be nice. <laughs> Three fate. Dang, <laughs> right? you're a really nice GM. You can be our price sometime. Yeah. Well, I already got luck, so I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I agree. Um, and this is, a lot of times, too, your local stores will already run like a regularly painting, uh, like a painting night or something like that. Like So our local store does that as well. Uh, I think it's uh, every Tuesday night they have hobby painting, hobby night. And so you don't have to necessarily create your own event and sell it to the store. There's probably something already going on that you could tack on to and um, utilize it as a, as a good way. Right. So it, remember, we're talking about things like getting your getting a group together. How do you get people interested in Warhammer? Well, you know, advertise specifically for that in Warhammer and then hand out some like flyers for your game that you have going on. Or, I mean, you could try to get fancy and even see, hey, can if I run a separate event that is like, you know, we're going to do just a painting event. If your store doesn't do one, especially, you know, it doesn't have to be Warhammer. It can just be anything. Come and paint minis. And then at that mini event, say, great, you participated. Here's a coupon for 5% off one item in the store. Use it today. If you, you know, talk to the, you know, the, the store owner or whatever. But then, all right, on that coupon, it talks about your woof up game night that you have you know planned or whatever that might be so just a different ways to bring people in and a lot of people like they might want to paint their dnd minis great you know then they can come in and oh i didn't realize there was a warhammer thing or they might be able to ask you questions about it too so we're all doing the same sort of hobby in in general don't be afraid to talk you know you can organize an event that can be outside of warhammer centric but utilize it to talk about warhammer right yeah, because there's a lot of people out there that paint that may not have experienced Warhammer before. Right. I would also say as somebody who was super hesitant to paint minis for a long time, it's really it's such a fun aspect of our gaming community, painting miniatures, and it's not nearly as it 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 can be intimidating, but it, it really sh- shouldn't be. Once you get started, it's a lot. The process is really uh, fun. It's not nearly as difficult, at least for me, as I thought going into it. So yeah. it's a great way to kind of just boost the hobby and, and get people interested. Right. And if this sounds like a daunting idea for you, especially if you've never painted many, like Matt was talking about, that's where you talk to the store owner because the store owner might know somebody that can come in. And, and a lot of times the stores will have like a community, like we have, you know, 20, 30 paints here that are just kind of, we can bring out for events or whatever. And, you know, so come just, Come in. We got older brushes. You want something nicer. Usually the store will get sales out of it. So they want to support it. And, you know, and it's easy. It is. You've explained it to me, Matt, as paint by numbers. If you Mm -hmm. can, if you can color by numbers on a piece of paper, you can paint a mini and it'll look, especially with washes today. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even need to get fancy with it. I was going to bring that up too. (laughs) I mean, layer paint, wash, highlights. Like, and I mean, that's, awesome. that's awesome. fancy. Yeah. You could literally paint by colors and use just a single dark wash, like a dark brown or black, depending on your mini. And while it not might not fit everything, it will make it look from like, this is the first mini I ever painted to, wow, that's actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Like, And you didn't have to do anything except slap some, some ink on there, basically. Right. So, yep. Yep. And overall, just remember, just remember the most important thing is you're building a community. 
of friends um, that you can invest time in uh, to form those specific groups for your gaming events and things like that. And definitely everything starts small, so don't be afraid, you know. Yeah, have fun with it. Awesome, awesome. So uh, that is it for our show tonight. Uh, For our next discussion episode, we're going to be doing the year in review. I think we're calling it like the grim and perilous year in review or something to that effect. So uh, we're going to take a look at all the the what's come before, what we're looking forward to. Uh, we're hoping to have maybe a guest on for that as well. So uh, be sure to check us uh, check us out when that with that next episode around the corner. Um, also, we just released Feast of Legends. That's right, we played the Wendy's Feast of Legends game, and uh, we put that on our vault in our vault. So our, if you're a member with on our Patreon at the vault level, five dollars or above. Uh, go check your feed. You should be able to listen to the part one of the two-parter for Feast of Legends. And uh, if you're not a vault member, uh, you can become a vault member and, and be able to get that too. So, And I think we're going to try to put like a five-minute teaser or something like that at the end of our next discussion episode coming up too. So uh, anyway, um, it was a lot of fun. So be sure to check that out. So Intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and of course Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron for only a couple dollars a month. You can help support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at patreon.com slash Podcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. All right. So, uh, I guess that's it for the show. So, this is Lance saying goodnight. And never forget, the knight that your party wants to steal from has more combat talents than you. Many more. This is Matt saying, money for the poor. Money for... (laughs) Help Perwick open a new bakery. Just votes is all I need. And this is Steve saying good night. And remember, nothing is impossible. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Wow. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.